Kelly and Kelly. Two rival thieves, a man and a woman. What is more exciting than a casino heist? Two casino heists. I should turn my back to them at that point. Yeah. What you're listening to is a dictaphone recording of Kirk Todd rehearsing the pitch for his movie Grand Casino. The casinos don't catch on at first. They don't realize that they're being robbed because the house always wins. As you know, Kirk's not really a filmmaker. He's a con man who cheated hundreds of people in the late 60s and 70s. Must make them believe. But in the early 80s, he moved to Hollywood where he found some success as a television producer. Gentlemen, how many people in this room have an Oscar? Would you like one? In 1991, he got the chance to pitch Greystone Pictures his idea for a movie. So what have these successful movies this year told us? They've told us one thing, that audiences want to be challenged. He leaned on his con man skills. I believe. No, 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 no. Not I believe. His years of manipulating people. I know. We can make this film for $5 million. And sold it easily. Well, it's one thing to convince a studio to finance your movie. It's another to convince them you're actually making it. On this episode, how do you fool the world into thinking you're making a $5 million movie? Now, at this point, you want to stand up. Be sure. I'd like an answer this afternoon, or else I'm taking the meeting across the street. That's better. That's better. It's This Sounds Serious, The Case of Grand Casino, a CastBox original. I'm Gwen Radford. It's 1990. Kirk has gotten himself into position to pull off his ultimate crime. He spent the last eight years gaining the trust of the Hollywood elite, and he has a commitment from Greystone Pictures to make his movie. Now he has to string everyone along and pretend to actually make it. He will have to convincingly lie for months and months until he can disappear with the money. What's his strategy going to be? The question at the bottom of all of this is... How do you fool the world into thinking you're making a $5 million movie? And the details of how Kirk did it are like a juggling act. So I'm going to do my best to make it as clear as possible because it goes in so many directions. The first step in Kirk's plan was this. It was important to Kirk to work on this project alone. That's Janice Russell. She's the journalist who wrote about Kirk's career as a con artist. He could never pull off the scam with Blaine looking over his shoulder. Blaine Cross was Kirk's co-producer through much of the 80s. Before about 1990, Kirk and I did everything together. Emerald, Pike, all of it. But before the opportunity for Grand Casino came along, Kirk had been bringing in a lot of work to their production company, Cross Kirk Productions. And that work all landed on Blaine's plate. They signed on to produce a bunch of licensed content. They were supposed to write a pilot for a TV show starring Fido Dido, the 7-Up mascot. They were going to develop a magic eye movie. They had a lot going on. 
And this meant Kirk and Blaine were seeing less and less of each other as work pulled them in different directions. I was about to start pre-production on the Saturday morning Joe Camel cartoon. My then uh, personal assistant, Wendy, told me Kirk had this idea for a movie, Grand Casino. He was so stoked on it. And I said, I think you should write it, dude. With Blaine preoccupied, Kirk was now able to spearhead the project himself. Of course, he'd never written a script before. And while Kirk and Blaine had a creative and business partnership, the creative end of it generally fell to Blaine. In three seasons of scripted TV, Kirk never wrote anything. A drama set in a gymnasium. Two rival basketball robots. God damn it. But now he was supposed to write an entire movie. But if that's what it was going to take to pull off this con, that's what he was going to do. Writing the script was just part of the dance. It's like if a con man wants you to believe he's a doctor. He has to carry a stethoscope all the time and wear scrubs. If you want people to think you're making a movie, you carry a script around and wear a little beret. That's what Kirk did, metaphorically. Kirk was ready to go, but he still had to get Greystone Pictures to approve the script. And to do that, he manipulated the one resource of which Hollywood has an infinite supply. Assistance. That's entertainment reporter Rebecca Healy. Everyone in Hollywood has an assistant. Nobody talks to each other. It's, it's actually kind of funny. <laughs> My assistant calls your assistant, who has to check with somebody else's assistant before they can get approval from another assistant. It's a maze. It's, I, mean, I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> but it's also actually like going through a maze. In my time working on this story, I've certainly experienced this. For every interview I set up, I've had to leave a message with an assistant. I just wanted to confirm the topic of tomorrow's meeting is what movie again? And when I get a response, it's often a different assistant calling me back. Hello, Gwen? It can be hard to keep track of. I've got Russ on the line for you here. As a con artist, Kirk developed an ability to quickly determine people's weaknesses. And the way he saw his peers in Hollywood relying on assistants, he saw that as a weakness. It was something he could exploit in order to manipulate people. And it's how he got the script for Grand Casino approved. So what I heard happened was that nobody from Greystone actually read the script. Greystone's literary department got a call from Jack Gray's assistant saying that Jack, the studio president, had personally approved the script. Meanwhile, Jack Gray's assistant got a call from the literary assistant saying that the department had approved the script. But the one making all the calls? Kirk Todd. I mean, listen, assistants don't usually stick around the job more than a few weeks. No one remembers their voices. It was brilliant. With Blaine out of the way and the script in place, Kirk moved on to the next step of his plan. But before we get to that, I'm sure you want to hear about the script he wrote. Well, unfortunately, it's pretty hard to track down. After the con was revealed, Greystone did their best to bury everything associated with Grand Casino. Testing, testing, testing. While I don't have a script, I have been able to loosely piece together the plot based on Kirk's archive of dictaphone recordings. Okay, so the story is two, it's these two thieves. From what I can tell, it was about a pair of rival thieves. One of them is a handsome middle-aged guy, of course, and the other is a woman, a uh, young circus performer who has run away 
from the circus. They meet each other on a train. And immediately, there's chemistry. Where she stages her own kidnapping, and he gets pulled into the drama. He is following her. He's chasing her. He's chasing her. He sees her again at the topless beach. It's a, it's a very, very topless beach. But here's the thing. In Las Vegas. She orchestrated the whole thing. There are chases and gunfights and helicopter stunts. Oh, and there are a bunch of cliffhangers. He recognizes that she has scammed him. Boom, cliffhanger. There's a Saudi millionaire with a fake beard. But of course, as we know, it's fake because it's him. Boom, cliffhanger. She kidnapped herself. Boom, cliffhanger. How many cliffhangers does this thing need? It needs lots, right? And he's not just coming up with ideas for the story. He's also calculating how, and this is part of the con, he can make it seem more expensive. And so the chandelier then comes crashing down onto the table, and that's expensive. It's going to be an expensive shot. We're talking like $200,000 stunt here. That's good. And then they fall in love and end up in Las Vegas, trying to pull one final heist. But will the money tear them apart? Will they choose money? Or will they choose love? She chose money. I chose love. Or at least my character did. Greg. Or was it Craig? Honestly, I don't remember. I don't remember a lot from that time. This is Vincent Carlyle. He was the star of Kirk's TV show, Emerald Motors. It's about the new steering system. It's not the pinions I'm worried about. I'm sorry, can I put you on hold? Someone is here. You're back so soon from dressage. Or is dressage soon back from me? What are you doing with that gun? He was also one of the stars of Grand Casino. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2011, so I could not speak with him. But he did write an autobiography, Dangerous Curves Ahead, which is available on audiobook. One thing I can say about that movie is, I don't remember much. I know Kirk told me he had the perfect role for me. He was this career criminal who was planning on robbing a casino. Vincent also happened to be part of the next step in Kirk's plan. From the outside, he seemed like a perfect choice to star in the movie. He and Kirk had worked together in the past. But we know now Kirk chose him for a different reason. Vincent Carlyle was a drunk. It was an open Hollywood secret. And the only reason Kirk hired him is because he could be easily manipulated and didn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. Vincent had very little memory of shooting Grand Casino or anything else from the late 80s and early 90s. He described this period of his life in his autobiography. Chapter 8. My Battle at the Bottom of a Bottle. Who doesn't enjoy a nip of gin from time to time, or a scotch after dinner? But in 1985, I discovered a drink that would define the next decade of my life. A concoction of wine, fruit, and a new orange soda called Slice. And quickly, the Slice Sangria transformed from my drink of choice to the object of my obsession. As I consumed jugs of the sweet honey-colored nectar, it began to consume me. Los Angeles is always bright and sunny, but for those 10 years, I was in an orange fog. Chapter 9. My Weekend with Cato Kalin. 
With Vincent attached to the movie, Kirk needed a female lead. And he handpicked Isabel Broussard, who we heard from in episode one. It all sounded so great. You know, I'm just thinking, this is pretty crazy. Yesterday, I was working in a bar. And today, I'm going to be in a movie or something. When Kirk plucked her from obscurity, it wasn't because she had some star quality. She didn't. To be honest, at first, we thought she was there to clean the fish tanks. Or because she was a great actress. She wasn't. Don't go anywhere. This is a gun. Stop looking at the camera. It was because she was naive. She'd never been on a set before. She didn't know how making a movie was supposed to work. She would do what Kirk told her without asking any questions. But thank you so much for this um, amazing opportunity to be famous. It's fine. It's fine. So, with a script and a couple of lead actors to be pawns in Kirk's crime, shooting began in Burbank. He brings you jaw-dropping drama on Emerald Motors. He makes you cry on Pike Place. But what does Kirk Todd have in store for the big screen? We visited him on set and he gave Hollywood Tonight an exclusive tour. Hello, Hollywood Tonight. I'm Kirk Todd, and I'm standing on the set of my new movie called Grand Casino. And I can't wait to give you an exclusive tour. Come on, let's check it out. All right, everybody, look busy, because there's a, a real camera here. This is a clip from Hollywood Tonight. Kirk gives a little tour of the set and offers a peek at what the movie is about. I honestly don't know if the con had started at that point. I mean, I do know that our show visited the set, and it seemed like any other movie, unless they left the lens cap on the cameras, which does happen. Over here, what we're doing is we're setting up for one of our stunts in Grand Casino. Uh, as you can see, we have our lead actor, Vincent Carlyle, rigged up to a chandelier that later on this afternoon is going to come smashing down onto this roulette table. Uh, I know that everybody on set here is pretty excited about it. Uh, and although it's a pretty physical stunt, at the end of the day, Grand Casino really is a love story. I'm no Hollywood insider, so I have to defer to Rebecca. But it looks like he's making a movie. There are actors, stuntmen, a crew. There's footage of everyone on set. The popular thinking around this is that in order to fake making a movie, he had to really make a movie. For a little while, anyway. For the first week or two, Jack Ray Jr. was on set. And when he wasn't, I know that he was seeing dailies. Dailies, if you don't know, is what they call the raw footage. It's developed for the producers and director to review after every day of shooting. Hence the name Dailies. Everything was normal. But then after two weeks, Kirk informed Greystone that he was taking a skeleton crew to shoot in Las Vegas. And Jack, he was fine with it. Las Vegas is where Kirk's real deception started to begin. Started to begin. That's not right. Began? started to begin. Began. Just began. One challenge in finding out how Kirk pulled off this con is that it's been pretty hard to track down anyone who worked on the movie. Uh, who are you looking for? See, after the embarrassment of the premiere, Greystone put a gag order on the subject of Grand Casino. I can't talk about that. Please don't call this number again. Nobody was allowed to talk about it. It's not on IMDb. There's no crew list anywhere. No, sorry. No, he died. When I call people to ask about it, they just hang up on me. 
I can't be talking to you right now. Sorry. But I did find someone who was willing to talk. I think the reason Kirk Todd didn't make the movie is because he just didn't know how to make a movie. Charlie was the gaffer on Grand Casino. The gaffer is the chief electrician on set. Anyway, he, he didn't know what a gaffer actually does. He kept telling me to gaff things. Like, I need you to gaff like eight feet in the middle of the wall. Or just, just gaff the hell out of it, he'd say. I also have some stuff at home that needs gaffing, if you don't mind doing some gaffing after hours. And uh, that's not how we use the word. That's not what it, what it means at all. I, 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 just, I just didn't know what he meant by that. Now, it's one thing to fool studio executives hundreds of miles away, but in Vegas, Kirk had to convince every individual member of his crew not to shoot the movie, without them knowing it. People like Charlie. Some days his assistant would change the schedule. Some days would be a lunch break and Kirk would say, oh, we've already accomplished so much today. Everybody take the rest of the day off. Go home to your families. And I'd be like, our families aren't here. We're, we're all staying in the casino. So what's your next idea, I guess? But then, after a few days in Vegas, Kirk's behavior started making Jack suspicious. Ooh, there were so many rumors flying around. Even a couple weeks in, nobody could find Kirk. And then he stopped sending in dailies. That went on for a few days at least. Remember, this was 1991. People didn't walk around with smartphones in their pockets. If you couldn't get a hold of someone for a few hours, it was normal. But a few days was cause for concern. And, you know, as excited as Jack was to start working on this movie and working with Kirk, I heard that as things started to change, he was getting more and more tense as time went on. This was not a smart move for Kirk. He had been plotting out the scam for who knows how long, but now he was getting overconfident. Jack Gray would not be ignored. Jack finally hit a wall. He said, if Kirk won't talk to me, I'm going to go to Vegas. Kirk was on the verge of being caught. Jack Gray Jr., the only person Kirk had to keep satisfied, was now four hours away from kicking Kirk's door down and seeing the fraud for himself. And that's when it arrived. When they find out who I really am, I'm dead. That's what I keep telling myself so I don't give up. The trailer for Grand Casino. That's coming up after the break. Kirk Todd was on the verge of being found out. The scam he had been running was unraveling. Greystone president Jack Gray Jr. was about to discover that Kirk was not actually making a movie. But then the trailer arrived. Well, we don't usually get a trailer that early on, but I guess Kirk was excited. That's Jack Gray Jr. in 1991, before the scheduled release of Grand Casino. And I was excited too. I mean, uh, it's just a trailer, but... Have you ever seen such a beautiful trailer? I mean, hubba hubba ding ding. You guys are gonna show it, yep. The trailer is actually pretty impressive. It starts with a shot of the Vegas Strip at night across the street from a casino. And then the camera moves slowly through traffic toward the action. Vincent Carlyle gives a monologue through the whole thing. When they find out who I really am, I'm dead. That's what I keep telling myself so I don't give up. The blackjack dealer hasn't caught on yet. And he doesn't know that I know the next three cards he's going to pull. And when I hit blackjack, and I will hit blackjack, 
that cocktail waitress across the room is going to spill her tray of drinks right on cue. At this point, the camera has crossed the street. It's still the same shot. It's traveling through the crowded casino into clouds of smoke over the shoulders of gamblers. It's almost hypnotic. But right now, I'm more interested in what's going on under me, below 50 feet of concrete in the vault. That's where I need to be in two minutes. Hit me. 18. Hit me. 20. Hit me. And then the screen goes black and the words Grand Casino appear. I was on the edge of my seat. It's so beautifully shot, so beautifully scored. It's, it's so tense. It's almost erotic. He's right. It's a pretty slick trailer. It kind of gives you goosebumps. I'd want to see that movie. Kirk had gone above and beyond the call of duty and delivered the trailer early. And most importantly, he had kept Jack from going to Vegas. People are already talking golden statues for this movie. I mean, it's not even out yet. No one's seen it. I would except for myself. But here's the genius of the trailer from Kirk's perspective. It looks like an amazing movie. It's chilling. It's artistic. It looks expensive. But it's just one shot. Kirk relieved Jack's anxiety about the entire project with just 60 seconds of footage. All the earlier steps in the plan, getting Blaine out of the way, getting the script approved, hiring gullible actors, they bought Kirk a little bit of time. But this one move ensured his success. It's like a pyramid scheme where you keep people happy by paying them a little bit and telling them there's more to come. When I saw that thing, I said, Kirk Todd is a genius. Get this trailer in theaters today. Six weeks later, the trailer began running in theaters. In May of 1991, it played before Backdraft and Hudson Hawk and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And immediately, buzz for Grand Casino began to grow. The next phase of Kirk's plan was to just hide away for a while. So when, quote-unquote, shooting wrapped, Kirk headed to France to supposedly, quote-unquote, edit the film. And after the success of the trailer, Jack was more than willing to accommodate him. You know, Kirk has a vision for this movie, and I want to nurture that. So, you know, we're, we're really excited about the team of Frenchmen he's working with. If they want to blow some of their magical cigarette smoke on this movie, so be it. Bonjour, Monsieur Monteur. Je m'appelle Kirk Todd. Ah, come on. It'll never work. This is dictaphone footage of Kirk from this period where he was supposedly editing the movie in France. Uh, I ain't thinking. You can't pull this off. These tapes are getting more and more disturbing. Kirk sounds like he's unraveling. You're a phony, goddammit. He's talking to himself. Bonjour, monsieur, monteur. That French word he used, monteur, it means liar. You can't pull this one off. Everyone knows you're a phony, goddammit. He's having serious doubts, and he's questioning his ability as a con man. You should never have tried this. You're garbage at this. You're in too deep, man. You're in too deep. But even though he was having doubts about his plan, he was busy putting the finishing touches on it. Oh, there was no French post-production team. Of course there wasn't. I don't think he even went to France. 
He was just hiding out and plotting the release of Grand Casino. It was supposed to be a small movie. $5 million wasn't a big budget, even back then. So this was going to be one of those movies that gets released in select cities before going nationwide. Grand Casino in select cities, Christmas Day. Can I let you in on a little secret? The people who select those cities, they're all perverts. I dated one. Grand Casino had all the buzz of other small-budget 1991 movies like My Own Private Idaho and Barton Fink. But as its release date approached, nobody had seen a cut. As Kirk was whiling away the hours with an imaginary editor, cutting footage that was never shot into a movie that doesn't exist, why didn't anybody catch on? I truly think Kirk Todd is a genius. An evil genius, to be clear, but a genius nonetheless. The way he orchestrated the final steps of his plan was so beautiful, yet so simple. He went back to an old favorite technique of his, the assistant. The same way he got the script approved, by impersonating assistants, that's how he orchestrated post-production. For weeks upon weeks, Kirk played assistants off each other, making them believe approvals had been made, screenings had happened, notes had been given. A reminder, call Jack's assistant tomorrow to get approval for another week of editing. As if that's going to make this any better. Oh, you dummy. You think they like you? Don't you, Kirk? Nobody's going to like you when they find out what a phony you are. This went through dozens of levels of oversight. First, the studio approved a cut that didn't exist. Then sound mixers and colorists all signed off on work that wasn't done. It was like a juggling act with 50 balls in the air. Kirk had to know that the marketing department needed to hear from publicists before they could confirm with distribution. It was masterful. It was like a performance art piece all about showing how broken Hollywood truly is, if that was his point. But I mean, he also stole $5 million, so in a lot of ways, that, that was actually his point. Kirk Todd, Hollywood fraud. That's what they'll call you. Gotta get used to that. The studio thought he made it. The press thought he made it. Jack Gray Jr. thought he made it. But nobody ever actually set eyes on the movie. That's how this fraud carried on for months, until five blank film reels labeled Grand Casino showed up at the Studio City Movie Theater for a preview screening on December 12th, 1991. I mean, Kirk's a real sweetheart, so it's going to be fun. (laughs) And the screening went ahead. The excitement, the delay, the confusion, the blank screen, and the heart attack. As Greystone realized there was no movie, they had to scramble. They pulled ads from TV and magazines. They canceled the star's talk show appearances. There was no protocol for this kind of thing. Can you imagine how humiliating this was for Jack Gray? being the president of a studio and laying your reputation on a movie without ever actually seeing it. They could never take Kirk to court for this because then Jack would have to admit to all of his mistakes. So they did the next best thing. They buried it. It soon became studio policy to deny any knowledge of Grand Casino or Kirk Todd. Grand Casino doesn't exist. 
And now, looking back almost 30 years later, it's strange to see how much from that night in Studio City doesn't exist anymore either. Jack Gray died in 1993. The family-owned Greystone Pictures was purchased by Eminent Studios in 1997. Vincent Carlyle died in 2011. Even the movie theater where the screening took place is now a Barnes & Noble. But, after all the memories have faded, one thing from that night still remains. You have one new voice message. Message 23, new. Hello, Gwen. Uh, this is Kirk, Todd, returning your call regarding you coming to visit me. Um, I don't know what I can possibly tell you that you don't already know, but sure, obviously you're going to have to come to me, but all the uh, visiting hours information is on the prison's website. Um, okay. Next time on This Sounds Serious, Visiting Hours with Kirk Todd. 